got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the second part of my recent sit-down with Doherty County Administrator Mike McCoy. In this episode, Mike shares what it was like moving from the big city to southwest Georgia and how he's grown to truly love the Albany community he serves. Now, I do want to touch a little bit, uh, you know, just because from what you've told me, you, yeah. you know, grew up, you know, Waco's a good sized town, spent a yeah. lot of time in Dallas, you know, good Lord, Dallas was booming all through the 80s. So you probably saw a lot of growth then going to Atlanta, very urban, not rural. Talk to me about arriving in Albany, Georgia and sort of your, your, your first impressions. And then we'll, we'll kind of bring that up to where you how you feel about it today. So when I arrived in Albany off of 300, the first place I stopped was Harvey's to use the payphone because I couldn't afford a cell phone at the time. And uh, Dr. Colbert, he was a superintendent at the time. His daughter attended Georgia Tech with my wife. And so I believe I called her to figure out how to get downtown because this was before Google Maps and all that good stuff. So my impression when I first got here, observing the parking lot at Harvey's, well, one, just Harvey's period, because I lived in a very urban area and I wasn't familiar with the grocery store brands in the Southeast either because HEB is our grocery store. So Kroger and Publix and Bruno's and the things that we had in the city. Uh, so that's, that was my expectation. So Harvey's okay. It was a smaller store reminded me of Piggly Wiggly mm-hmm. back home in the seventies. And, um, and so the people, uh, they weren't city folks. And I felt like I had gone to the set of In the Heat of the Night. And I had gone back in time. And I wondered what I was getting myself into. But I had a, a fiance that had accepted the job. A good one. <laughs> a good one. And I needed gainful employment. So I came on downtown. Uh, was able to uh, secure employment, uh, eventually made several trips back and forth to Albany, moved here before my wife because we were good Christians. I no you. shacking. I guess. Yeah. So I think I came in April. We got married in May. And so I was able to kind of test the waters before she got here. So it was really, so one thing that was interesting was the secretary for the department, beautiful, beautiful person. And we still have a very close relationship today. So she was trying to help us out. We we're a young couple and we're trying to get started. We're trying to find places to live. And she said, where are you? you know, she knew we were apartment hunting. And so uh, I told her, yeah, you know, we're looking, I think we've landed, uh, on Whispering Pines or something like that. She was like, oh, that's the high rent district. And I was like, really? I said, well, tell me about it. Like, how much? Give me a number for the high rent district. And she said, like, 
I don't know, I think they're like six hundred and something dollars a month. And the place had been recently renovated as a result of uh, some flooding. And so I said, six hundred dollars a month, really? And so I kept a straight face on the inside. I was just jumping up and down. I was like, man, let me hurry up and get over there. <laughs> because that is nothing. Yeah, because my my apartment in Atlanta was a lot more than that. Yeah. And so I was like, yo, this is great. So uh my first week here, I didn't hear any noise. It was very quiet. And I called some of my family members in Texas and said, hey, guess what? Guess how many times I heard a a siren this week? How many times? Once. (laughs) One time. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, really? Yeah, really. And so you don't realize what a city does to you in terms of how you think about things. And so even going to work, I drove very aggressively. And so I was always on the horn and I was yelling, oh, these people can't drive. These Bamas. You know, that was the saying back then. Right. <laughs> and so, and then one day I, I, I said, well, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's me. And it was me. Because you can get anywhere in Albany in 15 minutes. Yep. But my mind was wired. Yeah. And if there's an accident or so, I got to stay yeah. tuned in to the radio station to get these traffic mm-hmm. updates so I can take back routes. And, and so I started slowing down. Uh, but when we got married, we did try to maintain our social life in, in Atlanta. And I went to the There was a grocery store near uh where we lived on, on Whispering Pines. And um, I remember going in there to get groceries often. And the young lady, uh, the cashier one day said, where have you been? We haven't seen you. And I said, excuse me? Yeah, you haven't been here in several days and we missed you. And so that took me aback because I'm used to being in a city where you're anonymous yeah. and nobody speaks to you. And so now I'm feeling like, oh, I'm under surveillance. You know, what's, you know, <laughs> again, you know, the city mindset. Yeah. I, you know, what's going on? Why, you know, I worried about when I come in this grocery store, you know? And so then that's when it hit me that in, in small towns, Everybody's in your affairs. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. They know what you're doing. Man. They know what you're doing, and you know they know where you work, and and they're not afraid to ask you. And, and they're not afraid to ask you. And everybody keeps up with this. And then you know, it's it was just a yeah. That was that was a huge culture shock for me, and something I had to to get used to. And so uh, I, I think I, one of our defense mechanisms was that we did not hang out in Albany. We made, we tried to maintain our social life in Atlanta. So we worked here during the week. And then as soon as Friday come, we, we'd be gone to Atlanta. So that lasted probably for a couple of years. Then, uh, we decided, yeah, we're going to be here. We might as well immerse ourselves in the community. And we, we had a, a community made up of 
people like ourselves. All of our friends weren't from Albany. They were all very similarly situated uh, to us. They worked at various uh, industries here in town, uh, and a lot, a lot of them were international. And so we would entertain each other at each other's homes. Sure. And it was great. It was really, really great. And so we really didn't interact with the local population uh, too much. And then eventually we ended up uh, joining a local church and, and then um, developing local ties. But it took some time. Uh, and then, of course, we had some friends from the city. So oh, we're going to come down and visit you guys. And so one one time a friend came and said, so what are we doing this weekend? Uh, nothing. <laughs> and they looked real strange, like, what do you mean we're not doing anything? Yeah, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to chill. And so after the weekend was over, they were like, oh, man, I love this. I never thought about not doing anything. This is great. Yeah. And so it's just a difference in lifestyle. And so then the quality of life yeah. was my priority. Uh, you know, we had opportunities to go back to the city or go anywhere. And we said, nah, we, we like Albany. We, we want to be here. That's nice. And so we're, we're still here after 23 years. We, we love it here. Uh, it's a great community. And, um, we just think the world. You know, I, I can appreciate that. My, my folks are from the Northeast. I was born in South Florida. We landed here. You know, dad came for a job. You know, I came when I was about 10 years old. I, I was like, people talk about the Civil War. What? <laughs> like, it just didn't, you know, there was a lot of things that were just different to me that, that it took me a long time to kind of understand. And and like you, you know, my, my parents made friends with other folks from the Northeast that were working at the P&Gs and the Miller Corps and all that kind of other transplants. And it was a good you know, three, five, six years before they started really kind of laying down the local roots. A lot of it was me. You know, when your kid's growing up here, you kind of have to get to know the other, you know, parents and all. But I can completely understand that. And it's funny looking on it now. Like, I felt like as a kid, my mom couldn't wait to, for me to graduate so she could move home to Jersey. You couldn't drag her out of Albany now. She just loves it. And and so I, I totally understand what you're talking about. And it's just neat to hear that I'm not the only person that has that, you know, kind of perspective. Obviously, you, you change jobs, got out of the landfill. I'm sure there's personal opportunity in that. But talking about that transition into the into the more of the managing of the whole county and, you know, working as the assistant under people like Richard Crowdis and, and that experience and what you learned and eye-opening stuff. Yeah, so... I came here as the operations manager, and uh, some years later, I was promoted by Mr. Crowdis to uh, department manager. And so, it's a, it was it was any transition. Uh, there's a learning curve, sure. and of course, there is uh, a lot of risk involved because you're doing something that you've never done before. And in my case, uh, I was very young at the time. <laughs> and uh, most of the folks that, 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 that I managed were probably old enough to be my, my parents. And so yeah. that brought on its own set of challenges. I learned a lot. And when I, funny thing, when I became the department manager, 
for the solid waste department, uh, probably week two, the GBI showed up. Oh, nice. Yes. And, and showed up to my door. I didn't know who they were and asked, are you Michael McCoy? It depends. <laughs> we had a, a situation uh, where at the time one of our employees was involved in some theft ring or something. Oh, and they, yeah. So I was like, woo, you know, it had nothing to do with me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll live to fight another day. So uh, at any rate, um, I, I told you my buddy came up with the idea of, of uh, city management. And so, of course, m- most folks have to go through departments and, and it's a crapshoot whether or not you ever get into administration or manage a city. And then on top of that, as a as as an African-American, uh, you just did not have a lot of folks in that role. Sure. And so uh, I, I didn't know if I would ever I'm with <laughs> become. You a uh, manager. Would there be but, opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but at any rate, I mean, I enjoy, I, I so enjoyed every opportunity that I got. Um, and so eventually after working at the landfill, has great projects, great run. I hated to leave it. Went downtown, had to get acclimated to that because I've been accustomed to being out in Oh yeah, that landfill in the woods. It's, it's different. About a thousand acres, you know. Yeah. Nobody's coming out there, you know. That's they are coming out there for a reason. And then now you're in town, and um, th- th- I had to get adjusted to that. Uh, being um, being in administration gives you a broader view, and as an assistant, I was more managing projects. And you see a lot of different things uh, in administration. And so we had a good run uh, there and did a lot of good things. And eventually uh, was appointed administrator, did a lot of effort. Uh, And so we, uh, that was, that was interesting to that whole, the whole process, the role uh, has been very interesting. I mean, you, you like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right? right. So you know that you, you, you had ability and, and, but then, um, uh, actually doing it and not really knowing like what's going to happen next. And when I was at the, the landfill, I had some interesting experiences that, that were very challenging uh that helped me to grow and developments develop. And so as I continued to progress in the organization, I got more comfortable being uncomfortable and and uh give you an example. My father plays the saxophone very well. He plays by ear. I love my daddy. And I wanted to be like him. I played the saxophone. I could not play by ear. And one of the frustrating things was we had a a piece, some piece we played in a band. And I wanted to be one of the kids that was selected to add Mm live. And I thought that was the coolest thing that the kids in the band 
But like my dad, they could play by ear whatever they were thinking. They could make that horn. Mm-hmm. Built it out. And so I couldn't do it. I eventually gave up the saxophone. And and I was always frustrated because I said, I can't ad lib. I mean, like that bothered me. <laughs> I couldn't make this stuff up and make it come out, although I, I felt creative. And so recently I discovered that I, I can ad lib. I ad lib in life and in my job. And I just make make things up as I go. And I'm comfortable not not necessarily knowing for sure. And sort of like, uh, I guess, engineer with my engineering background, you're trained to deal with complex problems and Absolutely. think of solutions. And so, uh, yeah, so I do a lot of ad living. So the transition uh, was great because I got the freedom to, and I do now uh, have the ability to kind of do some really cool stuff. Now you, you mentioned, uh, you know, when you were an assistant county managers, you know, you felt like the, you, you guys had accomplished some pretty good projects. What are a couple of those things? Oh, yeah. One of my first big project was uh, the 2010 census. Ah, yeah. lots of fun. Ne- yeah. And you're always doing things that you've never done before. So most people, they have no idea what a administrator does. Most people think, oh, you know, you sit in the ivory tower and you tell all these people what to do. But in a small town you have a lot of, you end up having to do a lot of things yourself. If you're in a big city, you have staff that will do a lot of these things. Um, So we got that project, did a phenomenal job with the project. Again, ad-lib, we we had a parade, we had a, this big event down at the municipal auditorium, the mayor came, uh, we had a be counted campaign. We were in parade. We did all kinds of stuff, right? Just ad living, having fun and figuring it out. Yep. Figuring it out. The complete count committee. Oh, you're the co-chair. Okay. (laughs) So, so interestingly, we did such a a good job. We ended up getting recognized. And when they came around for the 2020 census, they were still using us as an example of the type of things that the communities could do in order to get the word out about the census. So it was, yeah. So that was like one of the the things that come, that, that, you know, comes to mind, but like, you know, T-SPLOS continuing uh, to, to put together the SPLOS referendums and have them uh, passed. And um, the, um, just there's, there's so many things that, that we, we, we ended up doing revamping our risk management program, revamping our health uh, program, which, uh, you know, self-funded saving money just as a, in administration, you deal with everything. So if, when you're a department manager, I was a subject matter expert in solid waste. Anything you want to know about solid waste? All right, I'm that guy. And then, of course, with the public works director, tax person, they're subject matter experts. When you become, when you get an administration, you're a generalist. You got to know a little bit about everything. And so, uh, and I enjoy that because I love learning. I'm, I'm a very curious person. And so 
every day is different. And there's always some, some challenge that you got to figure out, whether it's with the staff, citizen, elected officials, whoever. You, you, you touch so many people. And it's just a really, uh, it's, it's enjoyable. I mean, it fits me perfectly. So my, my friend Hoy, he, he was right about me and being a city manager. I had no idea what that was. But Throughout your career, there's been sort of an opening up of potential opportunities that African-Americans maybe didn't have in the past. And I'm sure, and I know those presented challenges along the way. At, the, at those times, did you ever feel like you were a leader in that regard, opening doors, or were you just more focused on the job itself? Yeah, I never really, I never really thought about that. You know, I just, you know, as I, I knew that my margin for error was <laughs> very narrow and that the prospects for certain opportunities weren't that great. And, and, and then here's another reality. You have really no control over whether or not you get an administration, regardless of what, of what you'd look like, because at that, at that level, uh, it could be political. Yep. Politics, elected officials. Period. Yep. And it just depends on the circumstances. And so on my journey, I really focused on being content. Why was that a big deal for me? In the 2000s, early 2000s, you know, you had the, the dot com. Boom, everybody was becoming an overnight millionaire. Balling was a thing and I wasn't. <laughs> and I was making less money than I would have been making had I not gone to graduate school and just went to work straight after, straight out of undergrad. And I wondered, what am I, what in the world? And of course, most of my friends were engineers and they were doing much better buying house, you know, and, and, and I was working for a small local government and I wasn't making much money at all. And so, uh, and, and so of course going to the city and there's invisible pressure in the city, whether you're in Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, uh, you, you see things. And, uh, and, and of course it's human nature. You want to participate too. Sure. And, but you can't, you could, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. And so I got to thinking about, uh, my grandparents and how they live such contented lives. And I watched some of my peers who seem to have the trappings that we were told you're supposed to pursue. And they didn't have that same contentment. In fact, there was discontentment. But I, I was young at the time. I didn't really totally understand what I was looking at. But I was constrained economically. <laughs> and I was wondering, what am I doing wrong? 
because everybody, you know, I'm, I subscribed to Newsweek at the time and all these, everybody's becoming a millionaire overnight. <laughs> you know, and so uh, at any rate, I, I ended up, I, I like to read and, and I listen to NPR a lot and just got exposed to a lot of different ideas. And, and, and then, of course, being here in rural Georgia, running into a lot of older people who never stayed at the Ritz-Carlton, uh, enjoy fishing on the banks of the Flint River. Happy as all get out. That was always fascinating to me. Like, and, and there was no desire to even chase, didn't, you know. And so at any rate, I ended up uh, getting to a place of contentment, just being grateful for where I was in life. So, and I was the department man, I mean, I was the operations manager and I had a department manager at the time who was very supportive of me. He said, Mike, you have all this talent and you could be making a lot more money. I was, in fact, I was making $32,000 a year when I first got here. And um, he encouraged me to apply for some jobs and, and I did it. And I, I got a job in the, in the city and we went up there and I was going to sign on the dotted line and something said, no, nah, go back to, to Albany. You can't do this. So I didn't feel comfortable. I told the folks, hey, you know, thank you for the opportunity, but I'm going to go back to Albany. I walked in um, the director's office and he was all excited. Yo, Mike, you know, you're about to, you know, fulfill your potential and all this. And, you know, and I said, uh, I think we're going to be together for a little while longer. And he was like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm going to stay here, man. But, you know, you could have doubled your salary and, and had the potential to, make, you know, and I was like, eh, it's not about money for me. I mean, which sounded crazy. It should have been because I needed it. <laughs> but there were other factors that were of more importance to me uh, than money. And, I, and we were doing fine here. I mean, you know, we were very comfortable and all our needs were met. And so I, so I ended up staying and people, you know, oh, you got to be crazy and this and that and the third. And I had other opportunities. For some reason, I just felt like, hey, I needed to be here. And so I stopped thinking about one day I just accepted, well, you might not become a manager anywhere. And I was OK with that. I, you know, and if it happened, cool. Then I, I was good. And so but that that has helped me that. That whole experience helped me. So I always say I'm not competing in the local fashion show, although I like to be fashionable, but, <laughs> but I'm not competing with. I used to think that I could save the world. Uh, when I first came, I was interested in financial management. And so a lot of guys I worked with, they uh, weren't. Sophisticated. A lot of people aren't sophisticated when it comes to personal finance. And so I said, well, hey, you know, uh, we need to think about these things because especially we're going to retire and all this type of stuff. And, you know, you need a rainy day fund. Uh, you know, I'm reading all these books and stuff. I'm very idealistic and I'm having training sessions and stuff, bringing financial advisors in to talk to them. And they, you know, I was not not successful. And uh, I got frustrated and um, and it occurred to me that um, you, you need to allow people to be who they are and do what they do. And you can't impose 
your value systems on other people and whatever it is that they're doing, even if it's not in alignment with your value system, it's okay because we live in America and you have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if you'd like it, I love it. That's a huge step in 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 human growth. I know when I got to the point where the things I could, when I finally realized there's things I just can't control and I cannot allow those things to dictate who I am and how I feel and what goes on inside me every day. But it took a while to get, I had to fail. I had to have my, you know, get head knocked up against the wall a few times where it's like, I'm just not going to change that. Uh, You know, so I've had the good fortune to be around a lot of people. And so when uh, I was growing up in Texas, I, in Albany, it's a black-white paradigm, period. Well, in, in, in Texas, when I was growing up, it was white, black, Mexican, and others. And um, I was always in situations where I was probably the only minority, only black person, even in, my, in our neighborhood, just whatever. And so I, uh, I, just, I knew early on that, that people were just people. I was... And 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 I had the good fortune of being around folks from all walks of life, all socioeconomic backgrounds. And so I just like people and I deal with people as people. And my parents, we, we took vacations, traveled a lot. So uh, growing up, I've got a chance to go to different cities, different states and see a lot of a lot of things that I know a lot of folks uh, in my circumstances did not get a chance to to do. And so uh, living in cities um, and we still travel and people are people. And the things that happen in Albany, the things people say, they say them everywhere else. And it's it's really you know it's it's really interesting. Uh, people in small towns like Albany, people move there from other places. They say, "Why do you move to this place? This is horrible place. I want to get out of here." So you have people. And interestingly, uh, when the census numbers came out, we saw we had a population loss in Southwest Georgia, and it was an AJC article, and they talked about Dooley County in particular, and. That same weekend, I was in Atlanta at Ponce uh, City Market buying some shoes. Everything was cashless. So he was checking me out on an iPad, one of my telephone number, 229. He says, oh, where are you from? I said, Albany. Are you from that area? He said, yes. I said, where? He said, Dooley County. I said, man, I just read an article about folks like you moving out of Unadilla to the big city. So you like it up here. You know, he's a handsome young man, uh, excited, life's ahead of him, and he's in the city. I could relate to that. Been there, done that. And, um, and, and, and so his life will play out in the city. Um, and then you have some folks that, uh, like this reverse migration that's going on. So, so you had black folks in, um, well, 
after World War II migrate out of the South. North, uh, uh, you know, folk, folks in Texas went out to California. So I got a lot of relatives out in California looking for better opportunities. Folks here in Georgia, Black folks went up to New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, all these places and stuff, right? So now there's a reverse migration where these folks are moving out of these places and moving back home. And then so now, the, the, and so I'm a senior citizen now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking about like, you know, this whole idea of home. Right. And so and I can relate to it because I'll probably end up back in in, in Texas with my my family uh, on on the back end. But um, but the p- things that people say and, and, and the types of people, you just run into them everywhere you go. And the, the question is, is whether or not. Um, the the contentment and satisfaction in life. Some people have and some people don't, and they'll never get it because where you go, there you are. You know, uh, they talk about uh, people in the recovery community talk about that. You know, you you, you can't move the alcoholic around because he's he's the guy that goes with you. You know, yeah. If you're negative, if if you're looking for somebody to entertain you, and you say, "Oh, I'm bored in Albany." See, I've never been bored in Albany because I bring the party with me. I, I have a good time everywhere I go. I'm having a good time right now. Amen. And so, but some people are looking for external stimulus to, you know, waiting on the next concert, the next event, the next whatever. And whether they're in Albany doing that, they can be in Atlanta doing that and be bored up there. But it's how they think. Sure. Yeah, that's um, that's that's very important. And I had a friend. Uh, I hired this guy. It was one of the, one of the greatest things I did. He was incarcerated. I was at the landfill, and he was cleaning my office because we had inmates on detail. And I looked at him. He looked older. Then he looked young. And so I asked him one day, "Man, how old are you?" And he told me he was my age. I couldn't believe it. His he didn't have any teeth. He was. He uh, had substance abuse, probably alcoholic and substance abuse, abuse problems. So a uh, great guy uh, gave him an opportunity, watched him get his teeth. He was very excited about that and get back on his feet. And um, he invited me to his graduation um, from this uh, Narcotics Anonymous uh, program. I'd never been in that environment. And, and so it was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. and. Um, he would always talk about uh, one day at a time. And I'd not heard that idea. And so I got fascinated by this idea one day at a time. Well, fast forward, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And, and, and of course I had all this other stuff going on. And I, I thought about that one day at a time. And so, yeah, being present. You don't eat the elephant all at one time, one bite at a time. That's all you can really manage. And so I don't get uh, over my uh, over my skis, so to speak. You just stay here. You don't know. And it's okay. And that's where faith comes in because you're actually living what you've been reading about somebody preaching to you about. And it's a different experience when you live it 
So you don't necessarily need to hear because now you know it because you got experience one day at a time. So I could I could relate to him then because I didn't have those challenges. But once I had my own challenges, I understood one day at a time. What do you see, at, you know, your role in this community as being? What's your number one thing that you're trying to do for Albany and Doherty County? Before I answer that question, mm-hmm. I want to go back to Texas. Okay. And I want to um, state for the record that I had a really great childhood and great parents and grandparents and great grandparents. And I got a chance to meet them all and, um, and have very, uh, have had the good fortune of having a very loving and supportive. That's important. I'm glad you said that. That is important. As far as my role in this community, my mission has always been to leave whatever assignment that I've been tasked with uh, better than I found it. I just, I, I want to contribute in, in, in such a way that people's lives are, are impacted in a positive way that by having had any type of experience with me, whether I'm here or not, and I'm reflected upon, that something positive will come to mind. Sit. Well, that concludes my fascinating conversation with Doherty County Administrator and all-around great guy, Mike McCoy. I want to thank Mike not only for taking the time to visit today, but for all he's doing to make this community great. Until next time, I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Bank.